And be seated and open your Bibles with me today. We're going to start with Scripture right away in Matthew chapter 12, and then we're going to go to Mark chapter 5. Matthew chapter 12, interesting verse of Scripture that most of you will be familiar with, the verse. I'm going to read a verse that we normally take out of its context, because you all know that we have a bad case of versitis in the West, where we just kind of cherry-pick scriptures and make them say what we want them to say. So we're going to look at it, and then we're going to put it back in its context and see maybe what it's saying. And then we will look at a story from Mark's gospel that illustrates it. So in Matthew chapter 12, verse, I just had my eyeballs on it, um, 35. Matthew 12:35 A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him So anytime we talk about good and evil we have a tendency to put it in our frame of reference in terms of our understanding of morality or ethics or whatever the case may be right we think about it in a moralistic sense. And so when we cherry pick this verse and we pull it out of its context, then what we can do is we can use it to talk about uh, an ethical lifestyle, right? And certainly it applies there. I don't want you to say that it doesn't have an application to that because certainly it does. But if that's all we see when we read that verse, we're really missing something. And I think there's more to it if we put it back in its context and look at Who is Jesus addressing and why is he addressing them when he's saying this? And the meaning is a little bit different for us. So in order to do that, we need to back up in the text and we need to go to verse 22. So in Matthew chapter 12, verse 22, it says this. It says, then they brought him a demon possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? So he did a miracle, right? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, and then he begins to talk. And as he's talking to them, then he says, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart or the good that is within him brings forth good things. The evil person out of the evil treasure of their heart brings forth Evil things, all within the context of Jesus identifying, now watch this, the source of power by which he does miracles. He's not answering an ethical question. He's answering a question about how do you do what you do? By what power source do you do what you do? So really, he's giving us a key there about how to change things, about how to manifest things, about how to work miracles, about how to heal, how to cast out demons, all that stuff that we as charismatics love to do, right? (laughs) And and here's what he's saying. He's not saying it just comes down from God if you're a really good person. He's not saying uh, if if you perform correctly and you can twist God's arm and you can convince him that he needs to do something, he'll do it. 
What he says is, is it's all based on what you're bringing forth out of the inside, what you're bringing forth, what you and I, or what a good person is bringing forth out of our heart. And we have the potential to bring forth good things and manifest good things, or we have the potential to bring forth evil things and manifest evil things. We have the potential to be connected to the Spirit of God, and in union with Him, or we have the potential to be connected to principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places and bring forth the, the desires and, 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 and junk that they want. That's what He's saying. But you and I bring it forth, or the person brings it forth from the heart. Right? Now with that in mind, come with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. I'm sorry, chapter 4, Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 35. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Or some translations say, Peace, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? How is it that you don't have any faith? Right? So we started talking last week about... We started a series that we're going to do through the month of January at least and probably into February talking about the lost mode of prayer. And we're talking about mode. We're just talking about a method or a way that you do something, right? And it's amazing to me. I love research. I love to read stuff. I love different perspectives and points of view. And so it's really interesting to me that there are people, scientific people, who have studied prayer. And they've studied prayer particularly from a Western Judeo-Christian perspective, modern, let me put it that way, a modern Western Judeo-Christian perspective. And they've said there's four different kinds of prayer. So I want to just review that very, very quickly for you. The first kind of prayer we said was an informal prayer. It's, it's basically a spontaneous or a conversational prayer. It's the kind of prayer that you say that's like, help me, Lord. Or, uh, you know, Lord, I'm in a jam. If you get me out of this jam, I promise I'll uh, change my life. I'll never do that again. Or I'll do this. I promise I'll do whatever you want me to do if you just give me this. That's informal prayer, just coming out of your heart. The second kind would be petitionary prayer. Now, it's similar to informal prayer. Uh, but petitionary prayer has purpose to it. It's, it's not just you find yourself in a circumstance and so spontaneously you're crying out to God. But it might be like when we have a healing service. We've set an intention. We've set a purpose. We're going to come together. We're going to pray for healing and miracles and things like that. And we maybe we have a way that we were taught to do that. And so uh, particularly if we're... You know, the diligent kind of person that takes notes and wants to learn the right way to do something. We have a methodology that we use for petitioning God for healing prayer because that's the way we were taught to do it. Right? 
So that's petitionary prayer. And then there's a third kind, which is ritualistic prayer. Now, ritualistic prayer is you're saying the same words the same way all the time. So this is, now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep, that kind of thing. Uh, God is good, God is great. If you ever did any kind of recovery or any kind of codependency work, you prayed the serenity prayer sometime in your life. Lord, grant me the serenity to change the things I can, to accept the things I can't change, and the wisdom to know the difference. Right? And when I was younger, I thought that was a dumb prayer. And as I got older, I started saying, Lord, help me change the things I can't. Help me accept the things I can't and give me the wisdom to know the difference. But that's a ritualistic prayer. The fourth kind of prayer would be something that we would call meditative prayer. Really, it's, you know, is, is it prayer? Is it meditation? This is where you're engaging the presence of God. Engaging the Spirit of God, sitting quietly, listening for God to speak to you, engaging spiritual dimensions, things like that. So that would be considered a meditative prayer. Some people call it contemplative prayer. And that's where they stop. They say, that's it. Those, those are every prayer that we pray fits into one of those four kinds of categories. But what I want to suggest to you is there, there is a fifth category that is a, sort of a lost mode of prayer that really is brought out in the scriptures. It's brought out in ancient traditions. When you read things from an ancient Jewish, ancient Christian perspective, it's brought out even more. And that is feeling-based prayer. And I want to suggest to you that the most powerful kind of prayer that we can have to change something, to intercede for someone... To work a miracle, to move a mountain, to, to, to bring healing and deliverance and peace into our world is to focus more and really learn this mode of feeling prayer. And you really do have to learn it. You, you have to learn it. You have to stop what you're doing. You have to back up. Now, there's nothing wrong with those other modes of prayer. I would encourage you to do those things. And especially if they're working for you, keep doing them. But it never hurts to learn a new skill. <laughs> And make no mistake about it, praying and engaging in spiritual things is a skill. It takes skill to do these things. And feeling-based prayer is a skill. And, And because it's lost, we don't think about it, we don't talk about it, and we certainly are not taught how to do it. Now, here's my presuppositions. And I could I could do this from Scripture. I really could. And I probably will at some point during this time that we're doing this. But my presupposition is this. Let's just step back and let's just look at life. All right? When When you're born into the world, you have to learn just about everything that you do. Someone had to teach you. Whether it was tie your shoe or walk. Or certainly someone had to teach you how to speak and how to talk, right? But the one thing that is universal about humanity and the one thing that nobody had to teach us how to do at all was how to feel. We, we came out of the womb just naturally knowing how to be afraid. <laughs> Kids grow up, you don't have to teach a child how to have emotion and how to experience emotion and how to express emotion. And part of our problem, really part of our problem is we're taught how to... Uh, Squelch our emotions, but we're not taught as kids or anywhere how to appropriately regulate our emotions. And there's a difference between regulating your emotions or your feelings and squelching your emotions and your feelings. 
So my presupposition is, is that feeling is something that is incredibly primal, incredibly innate, and unites us together. We, we may all speak different languages around the world, but everybody speaks the same language of feeling. And you don't have to be taught it. Now, my other presupposition from the Bible is this, that if we're made in the image of God, and if children come forth from God, because the Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord, right? Then there's something really important about the fact that when we come straight from God, we have this innate capacity to feel that we don't have to be taught. And it's really the... Now, now watch this, just because nature teaches us this. It's, the, it's our ability to express what we feel that gets us what we need as infants. It's absolutely true. Anybody in here ever heard of, of RAD, Reactive Attachment Disorder? Reactive Attachment Disorder is debilitating for some people. And it begins in the very first months of life when you, when as a baby, the baby expresses a feeling and gets no response. Expresses a need-based feeling and gets no response. And so you can imagine, one of the things that's really interesting, one of the symptoms of reactive attachment disorder, please don't diagnose your child, your grandchild, your stepchild, your neighbor's child. This is just one symptom, okay? Don't go out of here and say, well, I knew there was something wrong with so-and-so. They must be a rad child. Don't do that. I know how some of you are. (laughs) One of the symptoms is hoarding food. Uh, Children that have uh, tons of food available to them, but they'll hoard food, they'll hide food, they'll hide it in their beds, whatever. And they learn to do that because, and and this is what they begin to learn at an emotional level, before pre-language, pre-verbal. This is why sometimes talk therapy doesn't work. Because your problem can't be talked about. Because it got embedded and layered into your soul before you ever had a language. So how do you talk about something that you didn't even have a language for when it got there? Right. So so my point is, is that the way the way we learn, the first thing we learn about the way life works is if we express a feeling, there's a response from our world. And psychologists would look at this deeper and they would say they would say the first conflict, the first crisis that a person has to go through is an issue of. Trust and distrust in regards to your well-being, your safety, and your security. So in other words, if you are raised in an environment that is even somewhat nurturing, where you have a feeling and that feeling is responded to, you, you reconcile that crisis by, by, by feeling affirmed in your feelings and trusting the world around you, trusting life. At a very basic level. But if you resolve that, you can resolve that conflict another way, and you can say, I don't get what I want. I don't, I, my, my, my feelings aren't important. And life doesn't respond to me. 
And you become naturally distrustful about life. Now, this is a real problem for us as believers because the the elemental, fundamental, that's a better word, the fundamental precept of our faith is faith, which is trust. You cannot operate in faith if you have no trust. And trust is an emotional issue, not an intellectual issue. Does this make sense? There are verses that tell us when God, when God was creating the world, that there was, there, was, there was emotion in what He was doing. One of the Psalms talks about His mercy and His compassion and how great and how creation came as an expression of God's mercy and God's compassion. And in the Hebrew, that's a very strong feeling word. In Job 38, I think it is, we're told that when God was creating the world, that all the angels and the sons of God shouted for joy. In Proverbs 8, where wisdom is the architect of creation, it says that wisdom was playful and delightful with creation. You know what that's telling us? That's telling us that emotion, not only is it part of your human experience, but that emotion, because it comes from God, because it's part of the image of God, that, that there is a link, that, that, that emotion or feeling is woven into the fabric of creation. It's going to make sense to you. You ever read the scripture in James where it says, God, James 1 used to drive me nuts. Beloved brethren, whenever you fall into diverse trials and temptations, what are you supposed to do? Count it all joy, right? And so I'm sitting here looking at this thinking, dang, that seems kind of masochistic to me. I mean, frankly. Because I'm going through trials and tribulations and I'm hating life, but I'm supposed to enjoy it. And really, that's kind of the face we put on God, that God's kind of that way. But it's because we've lost this, this mode of prayer. If, here, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. The feeling is the prayer. And the feeling is the language that creation understands. So, see, now I know this is very, very different because we only think about prayer, we think about prayer in a very disconnected way. We don't think about ourselves as participating in the answer. We don't think about ourselves as being part of bringing it forth. But Jesus said, I'm not healing the, the blind and the mute and the deaf. I'm not doing that in a disconnected way. I'm not doing that uh, just by the Spirit of God. I'm doing that because there's something on the inside. I'm a, I have something inside me that I'm able to bring forth. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth bad things. Right? So what if being made in the image of God, what if, what if at the very beginning when God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and, and then it says God blessed him and God said to him, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion. What if that is our role in creation? <laughs> What if we are that sort of that link? I did this in the first service. I don't really have time to take you take you there, but I did a whole bunch of messages to try to to illustrate that humanity is the link between heaven and earth and what makes everything produce. 
And so what if when Jesus is saying a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, right before that he says, he says a good tree brings forth good fruit and evil tree brings forth evil fruit. So there's, from a biblical perspective, being fruitful is not just by having children. Being fruitful is going out as the image of God and being productive. And, and, and valuing yourself. This is why poverty is, as much as poverty, it can be blamed on whatever kind of circumstance or whatever kind of socioeconomic structure you want to look at. But ultimately, it is a mindset that says, I don't have anything of value that can produce an income for me. So what if God's mandate to humanity was go out and produce something? <laughs> Go out and have dominion. And if God created us to have dominion, don't you think He created that which we were to have dominion over to respond to our wishes, to our intentions, to our desires? So what if, what if there's a mode of prayer that it's not all about you speaking to God from a disconnected way, but it's about you honoring who you are as a human being and you honoring who you are in the image of Almighty God and you honoring the fact that God blessed you and God empowered you to go out and to be fruitful, to go out and to be productive. And what if really what Jesus was doing, what God was doing in Christ, was establishing a union between God and humanity so that we could be co-laborers and co-participants and really even co-creators of the future with Him? So now we're looking at it from a different perspective. It's not me separate from God, uh, trying to twist God's arm or convince God or pray the magic prayer or get enough people to vote that something happens. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean by that? Because it's not about me speaking to God. It's about me in union with the forces. It's about me in union with God and the spiritual forces that He Himself produced that have a feeling component to them. And me from a position and you from a position and us from a position of being in union with God, manifesting the image of God and not speaking to God, but speaking to creation from the position of being in God. What if prayer is not about me being separate from God, speaking to God? What if prayer is about me being in union with God, speaking to creation from a position of blessing and fruitfulness and the ability to produce and the ability to subdue and the ability to have dominion? And so I have a responsibility to speak to the heavens and I have a responsibility to speak to the earth and I have a responsibility to speak to creation in order to manifest something out of the inside of me. A treasure that God already put inside of me. That when I know how to speak this language of prayer, I'm speaking a language and, and, and angels are responding and heaven is responding. And, and I'm sorry, I know this is going to sound new age, but just grow up. Spiritual energies start responding. And creation starts responding. What if it's not about the words at all? I said this in the first service, it's kind of silly, but it makes the point. What if, what if creation doesn't speak English? I'm just saying. I mean, from a Hebraic perspective, creation speaks Hebrew. So what if you're shouting and hollering and praying and petitioning and the creation's like, huh? And the demons are going, what? 
They're sure getting with it down there. I'm not sure. What if the language of creation is a language of feeling? What if it's the feeling that is the prayer? Now, see, this is important because we don't take time to think about how we're feeling when we pray. We want to make sure we're quoting Scripture, speaking the Word, saying it positive, saying it right. But what if the feeling's actually what's communicating? So when you say, Help, Lord! What's the feeling? For some people, it would be despair. What's that saying to creation? See, what if creation is neutral? Let's just do it this way. And I'm just, you try this on. If it doesn't work for you, you don't have to wear it. You you can reserve your right to be wrong if you want to. I'm just teasing. I'm just thinking, what, what, if, what if creation is neutral? Because Jesus said you can, you can produce evil or you can produce good things. Not from a moral sense, but just, you know, sickness is evil, healing is good. I, I think that's a universal understanding, right? So what if creation is built to respond to you and can't decide what you mean? You know, like, like we're smart enough to know you can't go to your garden and plant tomatoes. And then, and then, but then you change your mind and think, well, but what I really meant was carrots. And so the ground and the seeds and the water say, oh, we know what you meant. We know what you really wanted. We're going to give you carrots instead of tomatoes. You see what I'm saying? How many of you ever prayed for money? Now, don't lie. Have you ever prayed this prayer? More money, Lord, more money. Just give me more money. This year would be a great year if I just had more money. I could do what's in my heart if I had more money. Right? But what's the feeling from which you're coming? Because what if, I mean, just think about this with me. If this is right, what if, what if you're coming from a place of lack because you don't have And so the feeling you're generating is a feeling of lack. And because you don't feel like you can change it, you have to appeal to a higher power. So you pray, Lord, give me more money. So the words you're saying to God is give me more money, but the words you're saying to creation is give me more lack. I'm just saying. Because here's the other presupposition. If the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, then whatever you're looking for has to be brought forth, but it already exists. What you don't understand is it exists inside of you. See, what if everything you wanted to change and everything you wanted to experience already had an existence inside you in an intangible, non-physical form, And it was your job and my job to form it and bring it forth into physical manifestation. But we begin with the presupposition that it doesn't exist. So then what I start speaking out of my heart is lack rather than abundance. What if all the healing you ever need is inside you? What if all the 
freedom you ever need is inside you? What if all the peace you ever need? What if all the abundance, every need, that, that somehow it exists inside you and somewhere in there thought and feeling is involved with bringing that forth? That seems to me to be what Jesus is saying in Matthew 12. And not only that, it seems to me to be how Jesus himself operated. Because in the story of the storm, here's what you have happening. You've got this storm going on, right? You've got disciples in the boat. You've got Jesus in the boat. What are the disciples doing? What are they doing? They're freaking out. Right? They're panicking. They're... Whatever, right? What's Jesus doing? He's asleep. Now, how many of you have ever been in a freaked out state and been able to go to sleep? Good for you. (laughs) Amen. You you can lay hands on me after the service and transfer that. Good job, Jared. But for most of us, we need to be at peace, right? Right? And it rests. So when Jesus is asleep, chances are pretty good he's not freaking out, right? Am I right? So there's a storm. So there's, there's actually three elements to this storm. There's a storm in the atmosphere in the heavens. There's a storm in the water on the earth. And there's a storm brewing inside the emotions of the disciples. So, but Jesus is coming from a place of no movement. So internally, he has something totally different. His internal experience of the storm is completely different than his disciples' experience of the storm. Same storm. The only thing that's different is how they're experiencing it. Then Jesus stands up, and what does he do? He speaks to the winds, peace. He speaks to the waves, be still. And the same calm that's inside him... Manifests out here because he's not speaking to God. He's not saying, oh, God, would you please calm this storm? Oh, God, would you please make these waves go down? Oh, God, would you do something with these disciples that you strapped me with because you chose them anyway? I was all night in prayer to pray for these, and this is what I got. Well, maybe I should have taken three days in prayer. But that's not what he does. He rebukes the wind. He rebukes the waves. And then he turns around. What's he do? Rebukes his disciples, but he doesn't rebuke their language or their words. He speaks to their emotions and says, why were you so afraid? Because his job is to teach them how to do what he does. And they can't do anything about the storm outside them until they learn how to calm the storm inside them in the midst of the storm. So therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials and temptations because if you don't, you're going to be speaking the language of the trial rather than the language of creation to manifest something other than what you're going through. Does that make sense? So some, so some people, so it works this way for some of you. Not all of you will be able to relate to this. If, you, if you've ever identified yourself or know that you have a, a gifting sort of as a, an intercessor, and I, I just, I hate to even use that term because I, I just think it has gotten us messed up. But someone who prays has a gift to pray. Some of you, you don't even know that you have this. 
but I'll give you an example of how this works. Some of you, you're just, and I'm kind of this way, so I can relate to this. You're just more sensitive to stuff. You're just more sensitive. We have a tendency to label women with this, but guys can have it too. And a lot of us do. Where you just pick up on atmospheres, or you just go through stuff. Like you're emotionally, you just go through stuff. And like, um, like when I was learning this, I would go into a meeting and all of a sudden I would, and I'd be, feel perfectly fine before I got there. And then all of a sudden I would just start to feel incredibly afraid. Like, and I would think, oh, I'm nervous about speaking to this group of people. Or you just come into an environment or an atmosphere. You don't even have to be in the atmosphere. You're going to be driving your car. And all of a sudden this, this, this feeling of heaviness comes over you. And, and you just all of a sudden you feel fearful, all of a sudden you feel depressed, all of a sudden you feel whatever. And if you go talk to your doctor, you can convince them to put you on medication. And some of you need medication, frankly, but that's a different, that's just a different deal. I'm just saying. Not you. I'm talking to the camera. There's a person watching. No. Your emotions are all over the place. Prozac. I'm kidding. <laughs> Lithium. <clears throat> uh, okay, I'm joking. I'm, just, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm, <clears throat> it's good. It's good that we have these. Really, it's good. It helps people. I'm not, I'm not making light of it. Really, honestly, I'm not. But it's not always that. Sometimes you just go through these emotional swings or these emotional burdens or whatever. And what you don't realize is there's, there's an exchange that's happening in the spirit that God is tapping. It's like God or even somebody is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, pray. Right? And so if, if you really, that's why you read the prophets, it says the burden of the Lord came to them. <laughs> the burden of the Lord for Israel came. To them or whatever. what, And they would have a message and they would have a role in that. Right? And so we can experience that. I'm convinced when the Bible says bear one another's burdens, it's not talking about... Now, this is a good thing to do. But it's not talking about just if you have a truck, you're going to loan your truck to the person who's moving and help them move. (laughs) Right? Bear each other's burdens. I mean, that's one application of it. But it can also have to do with an emotional burden. You ever heard a story or, you know, about a tragedy or something that happens and all of a sudden you just, like you've experienced it, part of it yourself? Right? Which is why if you're built this way, you probably don't, don't watch too much junk because you just can't deal with it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't wake up to the news and watch ID channel. Whatever. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I can't, I can't handle stuff with kids. Like, Julie knows if she sees a story or comes across something, child abuse or something like that, don't even tell me. I, I, I don't even want to hear it. Because emotionally, I don't want to have to deal with that stress. Right? So, start paying attention. See, when you understand the language of prayer is a language of feeling, you start paying more attention to that stuff. Right? But then the flip side of that is, if you want to manifest something, even in intercessory prayer, 
you have to be able to manifest at a feeling level a different feeling than what they're going through. So when I was really young in the prophetic stuff, um, this is going way back, but I just, because I'm sensitive, I can pick up, I can pray for any one of you and tell you things about your life on demand. Now, you may not think that's possible, but that's your problem. Because <laughs> I've proven it over and over and over again. But I figured out that's not the best way to go about this. It really isn't. And I remember, I, I learned this because I, I went to pray for somebody. I was just demonstrating. I was teaching people how to operate in words of knowledge and gifts of spirit. And I was just demonstrating. I walked over and I grabbed somebody's hand. And immediately, uh, just this depression and this heaviness came over me. Now, this person didn't look depressed or heavy. And I'm at the stage now, when you're young, you're stupid. But now I understand it's unethical for me to expose that person's inner life in a congregation. And it goes on all the time in our movement in the name of prophecy and gets <laughs> applauded. It's unethical. Makes you look good, makes your ego feel good, but it's not ethical. It's not. Because you don't have to do that to minister to the person. So what I've learned to do is when I pick up on those vibrations, now don't overanalyze this because next time I go pray something positive over somebody, don't think, oh, they must be going through the opposite. <laughs> I know how you are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But there are times that you'll, you'll pick up on fear or panic. I mean, I can, I can almost always tell when somebody's got a battle with anxiety because I'll, I'll, I'll touch them, I'll start feeling the anxiety myself. Now, if it's just us, I might ask them, have you been struggling with anxiety? But if I'm in a, a group, you know what? Asking them if they have anxiety, just telling them something they already know, doesn't help them much. But being able to manifest something else, and so I remember that moment when I, I touched that person, I felt that, that turmoil and that depression and stuff. I began to pray, Lord, would you please release peace over this person? Would you release joy? Would you release... And you just start doing the opposite of what they're going through. Every, anybody can receive that kind of blessing, and it doesn't expose them, right? But here's something that's even more powerful. If I can process that feeling and convert it and give something back to them, it's even more powerful. So if I feel somebody's in turmoil, if I can take that turmoil and I can learn it's a skill and I can turn it into peace, then I can minister peace back into them and I don't even have to open my mouth because the feeling is the prayer. And it works. I remember just recently, and I'll, I'll use this illustration and then I'll close. Just recently, I, I had a friend this a few months ago, well, probably maybe more like a year ago, had a friend who was really in a lot of turmoil and could not sleep, was struggling, battling with insomnia and, and different things that were causing turmoil or whatever in this person's life. And so I remember, uh, we must have had a guest speaker because I'm, or maybe it was, a heal, it was a healing service, I think. We were doing a healing service. And I was thinking about this person, and this person wasn't even in the meeting, but I had a burden for them. And so all I did was, was went inside and tapped into peace. And I got as strong a feeling of peace as I could possibly muster. 
and I set my intention to give that to that person, and I thought about them. So supposing it was Julie, it wasn't, but supposing it was, I would feel as much peace as I possibly could, and then I would just say my intent here is to give this peace away to Julie so that she can sleep. And I would just focus and think about her, and I would just send it to her, just through thought and intention. And my friend texted me the next morning and said, I don't know what happened, but this incredible peace came over me last night, and I was able to sleep a full eight-hour night for the first time in however many weeks or months or whatever. And I knew exactly what happened. But I didn't feel like I had to tell him. (laughs) Sometimes, Sometimes it is your prayer that's helping, but that person needs to feel empowered that they have a relationship with God. And sometimes we steal things from people, and our intention is, I'm praying for you, I want you to know I'm supporting you. Say that. Because sometimes when we say, well, I was really praying for you that that would happen, and I knew it was going to happen... You just sort of see the doubt inside that person. Well, was it my prayers or was it their prayers? And if you're not careful, pastors, if any pastors are listening, you create a codependent relationship with that person where that person needs you in order to function. And it's not healthy. Because God's goal is for all of us to see inside ourselves the light that's there. I mean, I love ministry. I love that we have ministry teams and stuff like that. But my goal is to get to where we don't have to do that. (laughs) Because God's not looking for a needy people. Because if you're needy, you're feeling lack. And so you can get prayer and get healing. And you can get prayer and get a miracle. And you can get prayer and get a word. But you're left feeling disconnected and needy. What do you do the next time? And what language are you speaking? You're speaking lack. You're speaking neediness. You're speaking powerlessness. And creation's responding to you in that way. So what happens then, and we'll talk about this, how do we process our feelings? And how do we, with intention, begin to pray feeling-based prayer in a way that moves mountains. And let me just help you with one other thing. It's also, why, it's also why you and I are told to bless those that curse us. Because what's the feeling when you get cursed? When someone uses you or tramples on you or whatever, what do you feel? Hurt, angry, bitter. What are you speaking? So what are you going to start attracting? And you can get to the point where you're so rejected, hurt, bitter, and angry, you can't manifest a feeling of gratitude. And you can't manifest a feeling of joy. And you can't manifest a feeling of peace. Because you have all this unresolved stuff. So we need to learn to bless those that curse us, so that because it's in the blessing that you release the emotional charge 
that you're carrying from the experience so that you can stop the cycle of manifestation of her abuse and rejection in your life. And also help the other person while you're at it. Because bottom line is hurt people hurt people. (laughs) So if you're going to be a healing agent, listen, if you're going to stand up and say, hey, I want to be a healing agent for the Lord, you've got a lot of hurt coming. Because being a healing agent presupposes there's hurting people. (laughs) So they're going to come your way. (laughs) Just be ready. And so how do you handle that? How do you process that? There's so much to being a healing presence for the Lord in the world than just, Lord, would you just release healing in this situation in Jesus' name. Does that make sense? All right, let's stand up. Anybody get triggered emotionally when I was talking? Ah, good chance to bless me. I was trying to find a blessing. Bow your head, lift your hands, whatever is the best way for you to connect with your own heart and with the Lord. Father, I thank you for these, your people. Thank you for how much you love us. Thank you for embracing us in spite of our imperfections, in spite of our failings, our failures. Father, I'm asking for presence to be released and to increase in our hearts and in our minds. And especially, Lord, those who are hurting, those who are in distress, those who are dealing with anxieties, fears, irrational fears, whatever kind of stuff's going on, Lord. Those that have a storm... On the inside, Father, we're asking as your people, we're releasing to them the healing presence of Christ. At very deep levels of the heart and the mind. To bring effortless transformation to your sons and daughters. Now, if you're feeling peace, if you're feeling, sensing somehow the presence of God, anything positive, gratitude, I want you, this is going to sound strange, but I want you to just release it sort of into the atmosphere, just with your intention. Lord, I'm, I'm releasing, you can just through thought and feeling, you can say, Lord, I'm taking this gratitude, taking this love, I'm taking this sense of your presence, taking this sense of peace, whatever it is that you have. And I'm releasing it right now. Lord, I'm giving it away into this place and to these people right now, into this atmosphere. And just take a deep breath. And as you exhale, just just release that through your breath. And just do that a couple of times. Take a deep breath. And just release that. Thank you. Now, if you've been in distress, if 
you've been battling anxiety, you've been battling with depression, whatever the case may be, I want you in the same way, with your thought and your intent, to say, Lord, I take that gift and I receive it to myself. Lord, so in this sense, you're drawing from the atmosphere. What's been released in the atmosphere, you just reach out for it, inhale it, just by setting your intent. Lord, my intent is to take to myself. Now, if you're not in turmoil a lot, don't, don't, don't do this part. <laughs> Keep releasing peace. But if you've been battling in your heart, Receive that to yourself right now in the name of Jesus. And just take a deep breath. And as you take a deep breath, just just breathe in all the healing, all the peace, all the gratitude. You may not feel it at first, but something's happening. You may not have noticed it yet. But something's changing. Now let's just lift our hands and give the Lord some thanks. Thank you, Lord. Let's just give Him gratitude. Thanks. Father, we bless You. Father, we thank You. Father, we magnify You. All of heaven, we thank You for gracing us with Your presence and with Your gifts. In the incredible and mighty name of Jesus Christ. We love you. We bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you need healing in your physical body, just somewhere in your physical body, don't focus on the pain. Don't focus on the problem. Just focus on His presence. And then just, you know, say to yourself through your intention, through your thought inside, Say to yourself, I'm taking to myself healing right now. I'm just receiving the healing presence of Christ right now, the healing grace of Christ into my life, into my body. And just take a few deep breaths and just receive that in. Thank you, Lord. Father, we bless you. You're awesome, incredible, wonderful, glorious. We worship you and we honor you. We magnify who you are. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.